severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job Hello, I am Jamie McKinley and welcome to episode 39 of Just Get A Real Job, the podcast where we speak to emerging creatives and creatives alike from across the creative industries. We have got another very good episode in store for you guys today. If you are a first time listener of the podcast, welcome, welcome to Just Get A Real Job. Please as well consider going back and listening to some of our older episodes. We This is episode 39. We've got loads of great conversations in the bank now. So be sure to check out our back catalogue. If you're a returning listener or patron of the podcast, thank you very much for your support. Thank you for listening every week. We're very, very grateful to you. And I hope you've been enjoying the podcast as much as we sort of enjoy enjoy making the podcast. I'm a little bit sleepy today. Um, I've been doing night shoots all week. So my brain is pretty fried. And I mean, TV working hours are nuts. Is something I've sort of been learning over the last few weeks as much as I enjoy it. So that, that's actually something I'd really like to speak to someone about on the podcast. There's quite a few charities at the moment who are sort of trying to reform a lot of the creative industry working hours, like on, particularly in film and TV and theatre and stuff. So I'd love to speak to somebody in the future about sort of that issue because it's something I've sort of become aware of. Um, but anyway, yeah, um, been around Scotland this week. I was in Stirling filming, I was in Airdrie, Glasgow, did a wee premiere into like Alan Partridge or something. But yeah, it's been very fun, very fun. But it is nice to be doing a wee, wee intro for the podcast because I've missed the podcast. I've not had a chance, as I was saying last week, for the last month to sort of, you know, do anything really. So I'm really, really looking forward to recording some new interviews in a few weeks. I've got some people lined up to chat to, which are really exciting. And, and we'd obviously recorded lots and lots of interviews in April and stuff. So we've got some great conversations to come out soon. But yeah, as always, as if you are enjoying the podcast, remember to give us a wee share on social media tell friends to listen, support us by leaving reviews or supporting our Patreon page. There's a link to that in the show notes. Anything like that to support the podcast goes a long, long way in helping us grow because, you know, we are an independent podcast. Uh, we don't have a lot of money to sort of put into the podcast. And, the, you know, the podcasting marketplace is very, very saturated. There's a lot of big companies have podcasts and they can just pump money into it. So and not just with our podcast, but if there's podcasts you love and enjoy that are quite small and independent, be sure to sort of help them out by leaving them reviews and, you know, sharing them that's we depend on that so yeah help the independent podcast community out by by being supportive if you can but thank you for listening in general anyhow i'll stop um i'll stop rambling on and it is time without much further ado to introduce this week's episode and speaking to me on today's episode is actor and singer molly mahew and molly is one of the people so joel who we had on the podcast i think episode 23 set me up with about five or six amazing irish creatives and i've slowly been working my way through them all and recorded a few other ones as well but molly was very much among that list but i really really enjoyed this conversation with molly we recorded this two months three months ago so yeah it was it was really really nice actually listening back to this episode it was a really nice conversation molly was very open and honest about her experiences in the arts and as a performer and singer and actor and stuff um, and she spoke a lot about being Irish and, and what that means to her and things. A really, really good conversation, lots of interesting advice. So, yeah, I hope you enjoy today's conversation. Hello, 
Hi Molly, how's it going? Yeah, it's going good. How are you? I'm great. Well, thank you for uh, bearing with us. We had a few like some technical stuff at the start, but we managed it. We got here, didn't we? Yeah, we we got through. We got through at the end. My uh, my earphones wouldn't connect. It was a bit of a nightmare, but how? Uh... It's the the times we're in, you know, it's like, you know, we don't, we're all used to this sort of like Zoom thing now, I think. Yeah, I know. You'd think that I'd be more used to it and I'd be more prepared as well. (laughs) Basically living on Zoom at these days, so. It's temperamental, but thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Appreciate it. Oh yeah, no worries at all. We're we're getting more and more (laughs) Irish voices on this podcast. Thanks to our, uh, the guest of episode 23, Joe, has been putting me in touch with a lot of Irish people, which is great. Yeah, it's fantastic. I think the the mix of accents goes down well. It really does. And it's always nice, you know, Scottish and Irish, like the two best accents in the world as well. So we're we're Celts. What can we say? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But Molly, you're like, you're an actor, but you're also like recently more got into like being a sort of singer songwriter. So you've got lots of uh, interesting things to say, which would be fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm excited to get into it. To sort of start the podcast, we usually ask our guests like, what are your sort of earliest memories of being a creative? Do you remember like as a kid and stuff? I remember when I was oh, I would have been in primary school. I used to like gather the girls in my class outside, and we called it yard time. So just at lunchtime and I used to like write these little scripts. I probably would have only been about seven or eight or something like that. And I used to make everyone in the class perform it with me and I would direct them. So I remember doing that when I was like really young. And actually my first day of school, my parents recorded me, you know, all all excited actually it was the the videotapes showing my age now but your look yeah so they they recorded me on my first day of school and they asked me so what do you want to be when you grow up I said an actress and I don't think I even really knew what it meant at the time yeah but it's funny because I've I look back and I watched that video there the other day and like it's just it's mad how it took like a full 180 and now I'm here that's I think that's what happens though I mean I think like we can all look back to when we were, you were kids and like you were just doing stuff and you didn't really think about it. And then when you look back, like that makes perfect sense why I'm like this now. It does. Yeah. And it was strange because I, I found that. But then I never really did acting until I was probably about 12 or 13. It just became singing then because just one day, I think I just started singing along to the radio kind of thing. And my parents was like, oh, she's all right. Like, and so it just became <laughs> became singing from there. And you know the way like it's more of a party piece you don't really stand up and do a monologue you more so stand up and sing a song so yeah it just it it kind of became more singing up until I was yeah about 12 or 13. Yeah so like as a teenager and stuff did you act and sing a lot then? Yeah so when I was 12 13 I joined a stage school stage school kid and yes started started there just kind of singing dancing acting but what was great about the stage school that I was in was they did lambda exams so basically you did grade one to eight and whatever so you did speech and drama exams every year so I was able to do all of my grades through my stage school so that's how I really kind of got into acting. But there were also musical theatre exams on top of that as well. So that's how I then got into musical theatres. And we would do like a showcase every year. 
you know, we just do like a, a big musical or a big mix of different things. So yeah, being involved in stage school is re- really where it all started. And there's also, I, I live across the road from a community centre. Oh, nice. And so, so every year they'd have different things going on and they'd have like a variety show in the community centre every year. So I got involved with that and that was all different age groups and it was so much fun. So yeah, it was huge. Like my teenage years was hugely surrounded by other creative types and yeah doing doing singing and acting and dancing yeah yeah well sort of the next question that kind of was I've got a question about the community center as well because that stuff's like I just think like all that stuff's so important if you're a creative and like having those places to go but I think it sort of ties in with my next question which is like how has where you're from sort of had an impact on your creativity and obviously like being Irish and stuff like do you think there's enough opportunities and I'm kind of asking you two questions I'm being a bit cheeky here I just wondered like I don't know if this makes sense if I'm just rambling but like just how being Irish has affected your creativity and if you think there's enough places where you're sort of from that have given people those opportunities I think that's what I'm kind of asking I hope that makes sense yeah yeah it does it makes sense I think it the answer is yes and no so it's yes because definitely growing up because I had the community center across the road there were a lot of kind of performing arts places for kids and teenagers because of that reason I got really heavily involved in it you know I guess as teenagers you either get involved in like sports or whatever so that was that was my thing so in that way where I'm from really did help kind of set me off but however having said that I don't think as an adult though there is as much opportunity as there is in other places if that makes sense absolutely yeah so like even the theater scene in Dublin I mean it's quite small and everyone kind of knows everyone yeah but to get into the likes of you know the Abbey theater which would be one of our biggest ones that's kind of it's yeah it's kind of like a who you know kind of situation rather than it being based on talent and audition I, I know what you mean. It doesn't feel like there's a, cl- a clear pathway there, if that makes sense. Exactly, yeah. So I, I found personally as an adult, it's it's a lot harder. Or maybe it was kind of living in the little dream world where you, when you're a kid and you just think that opportunities are going to come. Yeah. So maybe it's that as well, that it just seems like it's a lot harder. But I just, I know that it's being a big fish in a small pond rather than, you know, the likes of in the UK being a small fish in a big pond so there's a lot more opportunity but also a lot more people that may be involved yeah although I totally relate to that I mean I think in Scotland it's there's a similar thing in sense of like it's there's not always those clear pathways into stuff and there's almost like a clique of people who are yeah. up there and it's like how do you get into that become part of that well it's, it maybe sounds a bit like degrading calling it a clique I don't mean it in that way but it's like how do you sort of get into that space almost no but that's definitely true and I, I, I get what you're saying completely because a lot of the people that I would be in contact with at the moment would be you know people I went to college with and then people that I've met through their friends or people that they performed with or little shows and stuff so it's it's harder to get it more involved in the I guess the bigger opportunities yeah absolutely and I think it's just something that's true of the creative industries in general it's like it is a very like cutthroat industry a lot of it about is about sort of who you know and, and once you get your foot in the door it's usually a lot easier to sort of progress in it exactly yeah exactly I just something else I just wanted to quickly touch on about being Irish because we'd had Joe on the podcast obviously and we'd had Jazz Jasmine on who was great she's a comedian I don't know if you know Jasmine but we'd sort of had this great conversation uh, with both of them about this idea of and it's an Irish thing I think but it's about notions and like this idea of like for some reason in the Irish culture like there's a sort of thing where if you do too well people are a bit like 
come on, get back down to earth and like pull you down. And so I think it's I think it's very similar in Scotland. So I just wonder if you had any, a take on that at all. Yes, that's definitely true. I think I think as an Irish person in general, now this isn't every Irish person, but in general, we like to be humble and you know we can't take compliments very well. <laughs> yeah. So like it's this kind of idea that if someone gives you a compliment, you're like ah Jesus no 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 no, and it's kind of like brushed off the shoulder. So if you're someone that's you know doing really well and excel and they're kind of like ah sure look at your one you know it's not taken as well yeah definitely uh i've never really properly thought about it until you've just brought it up there but that is definitely something that is embedded in our culture yeah it's just something i've been thinking about though so i'm like i'm gonna ask this you know i'm just gonna i'm just gonna ask that question because it interests me <laughs> yeah it makes it but it, it makes sense and is it the same in scotland I feel like it's a, yeah, I think it is, but I think it's probably like that in a lot of, I think it's quite a working class thing, actually, in a way, or, or maybe countries yeah, that, that have sense. poverty. I think it's like, there's definitely that attitude. And I feel like, I don't know, in the creative industries, particularly, sometimes it's hard. You feel like an imposter if you sort of have ideas above your station, even if you're not, it sort of almost feels like you are. Yeah, there's definitely a difference between performing in Ireland than there would be in the UK. I think one of my one of my really good friends, she lives in the UK at the moment and she's told me just it's so much more cutthroat. Mm. It's a lot kind of harsher and crueler in some aspects. And it's kind of like this mentality of like, why are you not on top? Whereas we're the opposite kind of way where you're like, ah, Jesus, she's doing well, you know, rein it in a bit. So yeah, that it, 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 there is a definitely a contrast there. Absolutely. Well, the sort of next question is quite a fun one and I'm excited to hear it as well because I, I always like to hear slang from places I'm not from. It's sort of, it's like, what's your sort of, do you have a favorite word or phrase from Ireland? Favorite word or phrase? Well, obviously being Irish, you say you have the crack. Like that's, that's just, I think that's wildly known and it just means, you know, you have fun and it's, it's very in tune with being Irish. But a phrase, I don't know, there's a lot of colloquialisms that are just funny, yeah. I guess. Like there's like, Scarla for Yama for having you. I love that. Yeah, probably Scarla for Yama for having you. Because I, I remember that as a kid. We'll take that one. <laughs> Well, so sort of let's wind back to your sort of when you're at school and stuff and like how that sort of got you to to where you are now, like sort of your journey. But so you're doing like all this singing stuff and acting at the community centre and all that. And how do you get from there to like going to study acting? How does that sort of come about? So I think from from when I was a teenager, I was like just dead set. Just I'm I'm going to be a performer. There's nothing else I will ever do, no matter if it if I have to break my legs to do it, I'm going to do it. I had that kind of mentality. So like we have a system here and it's called the CAO where basically you apply to different colleges and universities and stuff. And it's bad here really because through the CAO system, I think there was only one acting course that you could apply for, which was like a, to get a degree. And that was DIT. So I'd applied for that and you're supposed to put 10 things listed so that if you don't get your first choice and I put one thing on, that was it, just DIT. Like I didn't put anything else on and my, you know, counsellors in school and everything were like, Molly, are you crazy? Like, what if you don't get it and whatever? And I was like, well, then I'll just do something else. I'll just figure it out. I'll reapply next year. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do any other courses, basically. 
So then it turned out I didn't end up getting it. I didn't get enough points to get into the course because it's based on your leaving certificate here. Yeah. So I was really annoyed, really. And I was like, oh God, maybe I should have put something else down. Last minute, just applied for Bull Alley, which is Joe also went to. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I think Jasmine did as well. So if you're the third guest that's been there, but that's fine. Yeah, well, probably because it's one of like the only performing arts courses <laughs> around. <laughs> I mean, there there are others, but I mean, it's the kind of the first kind of gateway. There's different film, you know, there's like Bow Street, which is like a film acting course and stuff. So there there are others, but it's kind of a lot of people's first step. So just really last minute audition for there, ended up getting in, absolutely delighted. And that was it. That just kind of got the ball rolling, met so many other people that were creative, which was incredible because being in school, you know, you're surrounded by people who are good at all different things, which is fine. But when you're in a college where everyone's creative and everyone's, you feel like everyone's like you yeah. and you're fine, you finally kind of feel a bit at home. So for me, that was, that was where it all started was, was when I went to Bolali. Yeah. I've said this so many times on the podcast, but it's so true. It's like when you first have that thing where you're suddenly surrounded by all these like-minded people, I think it's like one of the best feelings in the world because suddenly you're like, you feel like you'd found where you belong almost. It was, it was definitely like that for me. I only ever had it in stage school, but even in stage school a lot of people were there because you know their mams made them go or like it was just something to do that they didn't really they weren't really passionate about it was just something on the side but this was everyone that's there really wants to be there absolutely and I, I actually even on my undergrad had that sort of thing you mean where like some people that were there didn't really know what they were just like I just sort of thought it sounded fun or like my mum and dad suggested it and like they didn't actually want to work in it so it was only when I did my master's in screenwriting that I was like I'm home like I feel like I'm around all these great people sort of thing yeah definitely I mean it was just it was just amazing to be honest I just remember the feeling of walking in the first day and talking to the first group of people and just straight away just the love and atmosphere yeah do you know in the in the room now it doesn't always stay that way as you may know yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean there can get a, a little bit of competition going on especially in performing arts but you know it, it did become home for sure so that's brilliant so you were there for how long I was there for two years. Okay. I actually, I had to leave in my second year, but I went back the following year to complete my second year. So I ended up going back in with a brand new group of people as well. So I ended up meeting even more, which was, which was great. Yeah. And you probably took more experiences as well from that. Yeah, I did really. Go- going back and, and doing it again, it was, it, it was definitely different. And I did, I definitely learned more. For sure. Well, I've just realized as well, Before um, I'm skipping ahead because I forgot to ask you about something amazing, which we spoke about um, before we started recording, which is like how you used to run like a sort of performing school for like youngsters when you were like 17. Yeah. Tell us about that because yeah. that's, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So it was just, I'd obviously been involved in my, like the stage school that I went to and the everything that went over and went on over in the center. And one day I just kind of went, there's a community center right there. I know a lot of people around the area from through doing the shows and all this kind of stuff no one's really teaching over there teaching performing arts or has a stage school or anything like that and you know I kind of like pitched it to my parents and I was like I'm too 
young like parents won't trust me and all this and they were like well sure look like you because I'd, I'd done first aid and I'd so I'd had my first aid and I'd been guard vetted and which is basically just that you can work with kids and that I'd had the experience from my stage school and everything and I'd done all of my teaching exams yeah. by the time I was 17 so they were like you're fully qualified to do this so why not? As long as you pitch it to the parents of all of these things, just go ahead, just do it. So I was just like, do you know what? I will. And so I, so I did. And I brought my friend Laura on board to teach singing. She's an incredible musician. So she, she came on board and I taught acting and dancing with the kids. And we had kids aged five to 15. And yeah, just slowly but, but surely just kind of built it up. Did it all the way through my exams in school and stuff. So maybe that's why I didn't, maybe that's why I didn't get into DIT. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, sure, it, it was brilliant. It Honestly, I can say hands down, it's the best job I've ever had. That's amazing. It's, it's, it's such a young age to be doing that as well. So like, f- f- like respect for that, that's amazing. Yeah, I don't know. I, th- I mean, I, I know I was young and stuff, but it just, I I think I, I knew from when I was young that it's it's what I wanted to do and I just thought you know through teaching kids and stuff you learn so much more about yourself and it's the most incredible thing really to watch someone who may be really really shy or maybe isn't as sociable because not every child that's in the room is there because they want to be a performer yeah. and a lot of the time it's you know to bring them out of themselves to help them make friends and you know that kind of thing so when you get a student that is it may be timid or shy and you're able to bring them out of themselves there is this sense of achievement that you feel yeah honestly it's i'd love to i'd love to go back to it i really would i unfortunately had to stop it there a few years ago but i actually planned to start back again before the pandemic came so hopefully it's something for down the road yeah all all our plans have been scumpered sadly but uh... i know <laughs> yeah, but that's amazing. So that's, that's great that you did that. Thank you. Hopefully, you Thank can do you. it again in the future. Well, just to sort of go back to to Bill Alley, I like you. So, so you finished the course there. So what what do you do at that point? Are you do you start going off to try and be a performer professionally then? Basically, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I just started applying for every audition I could after that. But the thing is, see, it's a theatre school basically. So yeah. in the Dublin theatre scene, it's more so you know who who getting in with who's putting what on you know that you find out about these these auditions and I found that a lot of the things that I was applying for were like film stuff and I didn't even have a show reel because obviously I I'd been so actively involved with theater that you know, and it was just I didn't I didn't really know I felt like I wasn't entirely prepared for what came after yeah so I was applying for the wrong things really and then I guess it just happened naturally just through people that I'd met along the way that I just kept finding out about auditions and different jobs. And yeah, just kind of went from there. A lot of the things that you do in Dublin are like profit share. So a lot of the plays that are kind of put on are profit share or there's a lot of like unpaid work and then when you do get paid stuff it's it's usually not the best pay so it is a little bit harder to you you know you definitely do have to have some other form of income oh absolutely yeah you gotta have that real job in the back burner you gotta have that real job unfortunately (laughs) yeah yeah I guess I I did I did kind of do like extra work and stuff just to be able to pay the bills and then also to try and get in with you you think 
you're going there and you're going to get in with the directors, but you're, you know. You don't even get looked at, do you? It's like the, you, I mean, you don't get looked at. I've never been an extra, but obviously I'm, I've been working a lot as a runner recently, trying to break into the industry. And it's sort of the same almost as a runner. It's like you're like the bottom of the pile. Like you don't really yeah. get the recognition you probably deserve. No, you don't at all. Actually, speaking of which, I did have a time when I was an extra and it was, I didn't even get paid for it in the end. Um, oh, it was, it was, re- it was really, really poor. It was for the, it was for this movie, but it was like quite a big company that was just filming over here. And it was just the, the money never came. So it was like email after email after email. And they just got away with it. They just, they just got away with not paying you. So they, you do come across things like that as well, unfortunately, in the business. Yeah. And just for any listeners that have, because uh, they would have experienced, I'm sure, similar things, especially working freelance. But I think there's actually some great resources now. And I'll link them in the show notes. So I'll try and find them. But there's places you can go to like sort of help you with things like that that like look after you if you'd been like not being paid and stuff because obviously that's illegal and like if that happened in not in the creative industries you wouldn't get away with it so yeah that's the thing I think it's at the time I didn't really know any of the other extras so I didn't have any of their contact details because I think there were more people that would have come together on it then something may have happened all I had to go off was really an email no exactly so I didn't I didn't really know which route to go down to try and resolve you know, it yeah resolve it yeah it's a common thing in the industry so I'm glad you'd actually raised this point because it's a good thing to do I think it's an important conversation that a lot of people because you obviously unpaid work is a common thing in this and again I've, I've done a lot of unpaid work which has helped me but I think it is something we have to watch as creatives and I think in a lot of other industries you just people would laugh at you if you're like I'm not why would I do that for free so I think it's something this industry needs to get a lot better at oh a hundred percent that really needs to be a conversation because it's it's actually it's actually really bad I feel like a lot of people see performers as as like a kind of a dance monkey we won't pay you kind of idea they just, it's almost like laughable they're like that that's not a real job but i'm like well what has everyone been doing during lockdown binge watching netflix series absolutely uh watching per, watching live performances like what do you know what i mean it's listening to podcasts and music listening and to podcasts exactly <laughs> So it, it definitely should be talked about because it makes absolutely no sense that people are are doing this work for free. It's just, it's sadly just part, it's, it's so ingrained in the in the culture at the moment and I, f- hope, I just hope it changes. But fingers crossed, I think things are getting better and there's, you know, a lot more people are sort of unionising together and there's places you can go, so. Fingers crossed for the future anyway. But it's fine, we'd had a little bit of a tangent, but that's absolutely fine. It's an important thing to, to talk about. <laughs> Uh, I was yeah. Gonna, yeah so just sort of like what sort of things were you performing in them like what were what was the, the shows you were doing on the theater scene um, so mainly just mainly plays like I've got a lot of friends that kind of like write their own stuff and then it's kind of you know entered into theater festivals and or you just kind of come together and put on put on a show and it in a local theater kind of idea recently so it was just and i was actually going through a good streak of just kind of having one project after the other yeah for the pandemic hit so it was kind of like plays musicals that i was doing just kind of leading up to that yeah just mainly plays and musicals i don't know i my friend has another podcast the (laughs) connor burke (laughs) um and i actually was was on his podcast there not too long ago and we were talking about one of the musicals that i that i actually performed in which was the glee experience yeah yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> so that was good crack that was good fun and that kind of like toured all over Ireland and, and oh, all amazing. that kind of stuff so so yeah that so that that kind of stuff no I was actually I was saying to you before but I'd, I'd, I'd listened to you on that podcast uh, when I was researching for this conversation and we'll, we'll can link that in the part in the show notes because that podcast is actually really they've done a lot of uh, good episodes so and I'm hoping to speak to Connor as well so I'm not just saying that to get in with him but like <laughs> <laughs> I'll put in a good word <laughs> So you, did you like toured Ireland doing the Glee musical then? Yeah, it was actually it was it was great. Like I mean, we we performed in the Olympia Theatre, which is one of the the bigger ones in Dublin, in like the the Cork Opera House. So in Cork, Monaghan, Navin, Galway, Mayo. So we kind of toured a bit all over. We obviously weren't the real Glee cast. It was the Glee Experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um so that was actually great crack really good fun and were you playing that. characters from glee or were you just sort of singing songs from glee so did you play a character from glee yeah i played quinn for bray <laughs> in glee so yeah so i i don't know if you, you i saw I was, when i was younger i watched the first two seasons i couldn't tell you anything after that but i did watch the first two seasons yeah so i i played the she's the head cheerleader that gets pregnant in the first series okay um, yeah. yeah so it was basically a take on it so it was our own like written script but a lot of the lines and stuff were taken similar to what's happened in the show and then you use all the same kind of songs and it, it was it was kind of it was basically a musical of Glee, if that, that makes sounds sense. Sounds good fun, though. That That's actually an exclusive for a podcast. Actually. That's the first time I've admitted uh, to the world that I, I, I watch Glee. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, these things can, can, can make you tell the truth. There was some good songs. My mum will be listening to this going, yes, you did. You did watch that. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Did you do any other shows that toured around Ireland then? Not that toured, um, mainly just week long kind of week to two week long shows. So like I did with Bolali, we we did a musical every year. So the first year I did A Man of No Importance. Oh, nice. And the second year I did uh, Spring Awakening. So that was brilliant. I really enjoyed that. And then play play wise, it's just kind of like hugely original work. Just there before the lockdown, I was in a play in Smock Alley Theatre. Just kind of found out about it through someone else in the in the performance industry, and it was just it was really really good. That basically Smock Alley Theatre Festival is a lot of directors, screenwriters, actors kind of come together, and sorry, not screenwriters, playwrights come together and playwrights would enter in their script into the festival and then they'd get chosen and they put together uh, performances and there was a different kind of show on every day so and you know they'd fill up the theater and people would come and watch and stuff so just then I, I, I was in an original show in in that in a in smock alley so i actually did this fun thing with joe it was the 100 year anniversary for the nurses union 
Yeah. And because Joe, who who's previously been on this podcast, because he worked in a hospital, he he was involved in it, and he put a script forth, basically where it's three nurses and we perform like a little comedy sketch, and so we performed actually at the one hundred year anniversary of the of the nurses union as nurses. So that was fun. <laughs> Enjoyed that one. So it's it's little. It's strange in Dublin. It even isn't necessarily you know in the big theaters that we'd be performing. Some of the stuff is is so I guess underground. You even end up performing shows in pubs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's why I love the Fringe for because it's literally just like a big mishmash of all that people exactly. just performing in all these amazing venues. It's great. It is. It's just all all over the shop. Well, that's, that's brilliant, though, I and mean, it's, it's great you've done all these things. But sadly, obviously, I don't know if you heard, but a lockdown happened. COVID came along. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm sure everyone knows about now. And that sort of put a stop to, like, obviously, all your sort of performance stuff. So, But you actually have had kind of, from what we were talking about before we started recording, like quite a positive experience in the sense that you'd been able to sort of learn new skills and you'd sort of become a singer-songwriter. Yeah, so it's, well, I'm not, I wouldn't say I am a singer-songwriter. I'd say I'm in the process yeah absolutely <laughs> but, but but yeah for sure it's something I never would have done uh, if it hadn't have been for lockdown to be quite honest you know I, I I never played an instrument or anything like that before and because of lockdown you know being bored I needed to put my creative energy into something so I just picked up a guitar and just started watching YouTube clips and just kind of self-taught in a way it's just started I guess trying to play a, a few common tunes and then from there just started trying to write my own stuff yeah it's been brilliant it's something I definitely never would have done if it hadn't have been for this pandemic so yeah going well at the moment anyway <laughs> and you and I listen before the we like spoke I like went and did some research and I was listening to some of your covers on Instagram and it, they were good oh god <laughs> Yeah, I just I just have a few at the moment. I'm kind of in that headspace where I don't really want to put something out there unless it's it's kind of up to par, I guess. Yeah. So I've been working on a load of different songs at the moment, but I just it's because I'm I'm only at the guess I guess the early stages of learning guitar. I've only been playing for the last ten months or so. So I feel like that's affecting the songwriting if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so I don't I don't really want to put anything out there until it's like up to scratch. Yeah. So do you have like a process for writing songs and stuff? Like have you been writing lyrics and things as well? Yeah. So at the moment it's been lyrics first and then the music kind of idea. And I'll just try out a load of different things that kind of works with it. I, you know, my friend is a singer songwriter and her process is completely different. Like she always gets the music done first. It's kind of, and then she'll add the lyrics. But I think it's probably because I'm still new with guitar and stuff that it's it's kind of the lyrics come first. Yeah, that's kind of the, the process. I, I suppose a lot of songwriting actually is based on how you feel. Absolutely, yeah. And I find it really hard to just sit down and write a song. I will have a certain experience or I'll feel a certain way and I'll just be like, I need to pick up the guitar and it kind of comes more so from the heart and from experience rather and emotion rather than just being able to sit there and write you know yeah I think I think that's true of writing as well to an extent because I, I have to be in certain moods to like be sort of write yeah. and like 
and write poems and write scripts and stuff like today before our conversation I was like you're gonna have a writing day today and I just didn't feel it so I went out and enjoyed the sunshine in it before that instead but you know yeah I think you have to feel it and that and that's absolutely fine as a creative as well you do and I think it's hard when uh, I'd, I'd, I'd imagine being a writer when you've got deadlines I'd say that that would be that would be hard and I, I think it's the same with with a lot of creative thing when you've got deadlines in some ways it's a good thing because you can work well under pressure especially with shows and acting deadlines are brilliant for me but I feel what with songwriting deadlines would be detrimental because yeah. you're not getting into the real emotion I think it's definitely easier to have a deadline on something like a script or something than it is a song because I like I've never yeah. written well I mean I used to sort of sing and write lyrics for stuff and it's something I'd love to get back into but I think with lyrics they come to you you don't you don't you can't just sit and go I'm gonna write a song you have to feel it definitely you do for sure and then there, but then there's also little tricks and stuff that I kind of use and it's just I'll, I'll, I'll write, write down, down a list of rhyming, rhyming words, words as well, well. so uh, if I'm going by how I'm feeling I'm like right so this is how I'm feeling and I, I might sometimes actually write a poem first yeah or yeah. write you know just a little kind of stream of consciousness first and then beside it start writing down little rhyming words and then from there because i know how i'm thinking know how i'm feeling know what's rhyming it just starts to flow so that can work as well i really like that i might might try that myself thank you for the tip so. <laughs> just just a little <laughs> trick <laughs> you know maybe the listeners might not have got anything but i've I, you know i have i'm no i'm sure they have as well I hope so. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I'm on my own podcast, like I'm listening to my own podcast, which is, uh, I really enjoy because I'm getting something out of it as well, which is great. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd say interviewing all different types of people because you're not even just interviewing a specific type of creative. It's it's all over. The, it's, it's a vast array. It's so like we had a magician on uh, this week's episode. I mean, obviously, when we that's did, amazing. Yeah, this week's episode was a magician. and I didn't know anything about magic. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like I was like, you know, so it's great. It's great getting to do this. In a way, having your own podcast, would you think it's, I guess, made you feel like you're a bit more of an interviewer or a reporter as such or a journalist as such? Kind of. It's to it's changed how I, I view things because I don't I used to just sort of be like, oh, I'm kind of a writer. But now I actually like identify as a, I'm one of those horrible people that says they're a podcaster now one of them <laughs> right yeah I kind of think that it is because you must learn so much through doing it as well like I absolutely uh, love it it's, it's really nice it's like I think you said this earlier but it's like having an outlet at this time where you know we're locked down it's, it's really good to have that and it's great to just get to give people a platform to share their experiences and just to be part of that it's like a real privilege for me yeah and I'd, I'd say as well what what is a great thing to come out of it is we don't get to meet new people anymore because we're all stuck at home so in a, in a way it's it's a way of meeting new people because what what else do we have to do because we can't we can't go to a pub and oh, yeah. or we can't go to a rehearsal room or we can't you know as go to a, a script writing session whatever yeah you know this is the only way that we can communicate now so I'd say that that's great to, to be able to meet new people is that that's you'd hit the nail on the head that's what like, one of the best things about it it's been amazing just getting to connect with all these like i made friends from doing this it's, so it's it's brilliant it's yeah it's great oh i'm jealous i wish i wish i had an outlet to make friends do you know what maybe i'll set up a podcast yeah just just start you know just do it. everyone has one these days so it's fine <laughs>
Hello, it's Jamie and Elliot here. I hope you're enjoying today's episode of Just Get A Real Job. I just wanted to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast, word of mouth is the best way for us to grow. So please, if you can, share us on social media, tell your friends and family to listen. You can also support us by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate your help. So anything you can do to help us grow this project is very much appreciated. We do appreciate your support as always. And if you would like to contribute or donate to our podcast, we also have a patron page where you could donate as little as much as you wish you can access this by going to www.patreon.com slash just get a real job so thank you very much again for all your support and you can also find a link to the patreon page in the show notes but anyway now back to today's show well molly i have some like sort of more fun questions these are sort of just quick fiery ones about being an actor and a singer songwriter so these are kind of fun okay cool so my first one is who are your biggest influences so who are like actors or singers or people you look up to that that inspire you okay this is quick fire i might take my time (laughs) it's okay don't worry To be honest, I'm a weird one. See, when it comes to music, my kind of music that I actually sing and perform in isn't the type of music that I listen to. So influences I actually find from a lot of the music that I that I listen to, that I kind of adapt to the way that I sing, if that makes sense. So yeah. I listen to a lot of rock music, which, and then I perform musical theatre. So it's kind of like, huh. But yeah, I guess my favourite kind of music, like I love Nirvana and like Red Hot Chili Peppers and all that kind of stuff but then actual singers do you know what it's a it's a little bit of a hard one if you had have asked me this a few years ago i would have said soul singers you know like like aretha franklin and beyonce you know (laughs) um but it's 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 a bit of a harder question now because i'm finding my own kind of groove in music my my influences are coming more from what I'm listening to mixed with musical theatre. Does that make sense? That makes absolute sense. And like, I actually think what you're saying is it like is very normal for musicians because we had a, a music producer, Rufus, on the podcast like a couple of weeks ago. And he talked about how like he was like, he gave all these influences. He's like, none of these sound like the music I make, but they still influence me. And I think that's absolutely fine. Like, it's like with films, like I watch films, but I, then I don't write the same stuff. It's like, you know, and yeah. you, can still, you can still take things from it. So it makes absolute sense. Good answer. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, my next question, this is a fun one. If you could play anyone from history, who would you play? Anyone from history? Yeah. Maybe M- Margaret Thatcher would be an interesting one. Yeah. That would be an interesting one. Just because I think as an actor, one of the most fun things for me is trying to get into the mindset of the character. And the more challenging, the better. So because it's so opposite, I think the way just the way that she views the world, I guess, and the decisions that she has made would be quite opposite to my thinking. So trying to get into her mindset and yeah, tr- try to get more more into to that kind of a character. Yeah, that'd be fun for me. No, that's a very good answer because I just watched like season four of The Crown recently and like she is a very interesting character. So like... Oh, see, I haven't even, I have not even watched The Crown. Oh, I'm curious now to see who plays, do you know who plays her? Gillian, Gillian Anderson plays her and she does a very good... Oh, okay. Okay. I've only watched a few episodes of The Crown. It's it's on my list. Well, another question. This is a fun one, actually, as well. It's like, so if you could work with anyone in the industry in general, who would you love to work with? Like people who are established, who would you love to get the chance to work with? It could be an acting or singing, like anything. I suppose I'd love to perform with Judy Dench to get, uh, I mean, to work with her just to get the, her kind of insight mm. on acting. Just she's played so many 
phenomenal characters and she's also been hugely involved in theatre as well over the years so I guess how she's I, I'd love to there's so many questions that I would love to ask her I mean to perform with her would be a privilege yeah but to even just be able to <laughs> to speak to her would be phenomenal do you know yeah no it would be amazing she's like obviously one of the greats so yeah. One of the greats, exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, this, just a, this is not really, this isn't one of the quitfires. It's just a question before we sort of move on to the last part of the podcast. But this is a really hard question. So I apologize, Vance, because I don't know why I would answer. But like, what's the sort of dream for you, like career-wise, like in the, like, what, what do you, where do you see yourself in the future? So this, this is one that actually changes all the time, to be honest. The, the beauty of this industry. I think. Yeah, it is. I guess, see, I don't have just one avenue because I kind of, I'm between, I guess I'm between two. So I'm between singing and I'm between acting. And then that's the the beauty is musical theatre because it combines both. And I guess, although I've been involved heavily in theatre, I would love to do screen acting as well. It's something that I have been thinking about, but I just don't have the experience with. So that's something that I'd love to, to dabble in. But the dream to be recognised in a performer, but to not be famous does that make sense yeah no it makes absolute sense it's I, it's just i'm a strange one to most i think a lot of people they want to be in performance because they want to be in the spotlight and they you know they want loads of adoring fans for me i'd love to just be happy make a real living at what i'm doing and to live a relatively normal life that for me would be the that for me would be the dream and to, if i'm able to do that through you know, performing myself or teaching others. That's the ultimate goal. I know it's strange because a lot of performers, they have these massive big goals and yeah. these massive big dreams. It's never really been about that for me. It's been about doing what I love and being able to support myself doing it. That's amazing though. And you know what? I actually think that's a very common answer to this question on the podcast. Everyone we talk to, most people just want to make a living, do what they love. And I, I love when people are that honest about it because it, I think it's better than, I think that's the right reasons to be in it because, you yeah. know, we'd all seem like, you know, we all we'd all see what fame can do, and it's not really you don't you don't do something to be famous. You usually people are famous because they're good at doing something and they're doing what they love, and they're just lucky enough to you know get attention for it. But I think that's totally like admirable thing to just want to be able to make a living doing what you love. And I mean, I feel the same as well. So I think that's absolutely a very honest answer to that question. I feel like people though that do want to be famous and do you know want lots of like adoring fans and stuff that maybe they wouldn't be as honest with their answer because it makes you sound a bit vain or cocky that's true as well <laughs> but, uh, but you know that uh they're like yeah i just want everyone to love me because there is this certain thing i i know for me the thing that always keeps me going when i do a performance it's not the applause at the end but it's the feeling that you get while you're on stage does that make sense yeah there's a process of doing it Exactly. It's the whole, it's the rehearsal, it's the whole lead up, it's the whole research that you've done and, you know, the adrenaline that you feel while you're on stage. So for me, it's not the applause, but for a lot of people it is. For a lot of people, it's that sense of they did a good job or that sense of fulfillment that the audience enjoyed it. No, I absolutely. And, and actually with the podcast, something I, I've sort of learned as we've been doing it for, you know, I think coming up for five months, which is crazy. But um, like when I first started doing it, putting it out, I was like, oh, it's, I thought that like the best part of it would be like when I put the episode out and people like like it and tell, you know, give me the feedback on it, which I do love. I do enjoy that. It's nice when you make something and people, you know, you know, people are enjoying it. But I actually think it's just like doing the interview, chatting to people, like doing the edit with my best friend. Like it's all this stuff that's all 
also just as fun and it's like being able to enjoy the whole process I think is so important as a creative it is a hundred percent like I've always said my favorite part of a show is the rehearsal it's where you have the crack but it's also like it's where you really get to explore I know for acting like it's where you really get to explore a character because I know for me myself my character at the end the performance ready character is never the character that you start off with there, there's so many there's so many layers that you add through the rehearsal process and yeah. also ideas that you get off other people you know that that and the input and feedback that you get from direct from your director or playwright or your your fellow uh, cast members you know definitely it's like where like that creative space is it's where you have all that time to really explore everything yeah I love that it's my favorite I miss it <laughs> I know I think we all miss like just being able to be around all these creative people in like one room and I can't wait to start being able to do in life interviews as well stuff like that like it's gonna be so nice well the, the fun thing is like over this pandemic is I've got a I've got a friend at the moment who's wrote a few scripts and we've got together a few people just over zoom so he's basically cast the play but we're doing zoom rehearsals at the moment so obviously it's everything that's not physical so we're just doing online rehearsals which is very strange very different but I guess it opens up a world of new ideas absolutely there's positives as well oh, yeah there are there, def there definitely are positives yeah just get a real well we well, we well Molly we ask everyone that comes on the podcast what's the worst part-time job you'd ever had to work or a job you'd had to sort of work to support your art that you maybe didn't like to be honest I've been a little bit lucky that I've never really hated an outside job. I was a waitress for a few years and then ended up working in an office, which I never hated being a waitress or anything like that because I think I like people, I like talking to people and I'd be like social and stuff. So I, I, I loved kind of the whole customer service aspect of that. I did have a job where I was working in a bar, but it was mainly I didn't like the job because my boss was, was not very nice, <laughs> to be quite honest. <laughs> but uh but yeah i i'm i think i'm actually quite lucky um that i that i haven't had to do any any really bad jobs but also having said that uh, since i was a child i've always said i would never be able to work in an office absolutely not and now i'm working in an office so i suppose in that way it's not the best well, well needs work needs what what's the word it needs must is what i was trying to say there that's it you know and what the good thing is as well, I guess, in my job now, I get to train other people and stuff as well. So in a way, I can think of it as something creative of, oh, let's learn it this way or something. I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but like the, the reason we just asked that question is just to sort of give people out there like, you know, an idea that we all have to work a job we maybe don't want to do to support ourselves when we're trying to become a creative full time. And it, it's just a sort of that's the reason we asked that question. It's bad. It's 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 quite sad, to be honest that you know I had this mentality when I was younger before I got into the real world that there's absolutely no way I'm going to do anything else no I'm on I I'm only going to make money at doing performing arts and then the realization hits you and actually you have to have a normal nine to five job or or work in a bar or work in a restaurant 
just just to be able to do what you love and it's sad because i guess what you really your your main passion becomes and i hate this word and i hate when people use it but it becomes like a hobby and yeah. i hate it when people say that because it's never been a hobby and it never should be a hobby yeah i know i know it's 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 the it's a annoying it's an annoying attitude but it's not a hobby it's it, it is your it is work still it, you know art is work and like that is still a, i think sometimes people don't understand that my days off from my quote real job are not days off because i'm doing i'm working on my other projects which is work to me so you know what i mean it's exactly they don't understand you know but the listeners of this but we all understand we all support each other it's great I've got one more question, but first I just want to say, Molly, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. And I really appreciate you've been very honest. And like, I think we'd had some really, really nice conversations, which are good for people to hear. And it's clear we're both very passionate. Oh, thank you. It's nice to get to chat to you. I've enjoyed it. Oh, good. Thanks very much. Thanks so much for having me on. It's a brilliant podcast and I absolutely love the concept of it really really do thank you i think it needs to be more talked about more well just to sort of last question is you've been offering advice for it but we just sort of like to get the last question on the podcast just to summarize like kind of what you've been saying but like what advice would you give to anyone who maybe wants to be a performer or a singer or an actor just you know what your experience what advice would you give them well i suppose in this industry if you want to you know try to make it a living you have to kind of develop quite a thick skin and you have to learn how to not allow the word no to get you down i guess rejection is one of the biggest things that you'll experience in this industry but i i suppose the way that i deal with it i never actually allow a no to put me down i only try try to think about it positively and think about it as a learning experience and that with with every no, it just in my in my head it just okay, I'm not right for that role. That that went to the person that is more suitable for that part. To just kind of use every experience that you have as a learning experience, whether it be positive or negative, to always be kind to the people that you work with. And it's really important to treat rehearsal room as a workplace and to also although it's it's fun and you know you're getting to know other people but to keep it uh, relatively professional and to basically it's a small it's a small enough industry in the sense that that your name can be passed around easily and you always want to make the best impression you possibly can yeah no absolutely that's that's very good advice and i think I love the thing you said about turning nose and in, in, into like a positive. And I think it's something that's really is hard. And you do have the days where you get rejected from something. You're like, oh my God, I'm, it's about, it's because I'm not good enough. But just being able to so go no and just turn it into a positive, it's so useful. And it's like something that you need to have if you want to make it in this industry, I think. It is because if you allowed every no to actually really get you down, like, don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean to say, you know, you could have worked really, really, really hard, got to the final stages. Of course, you're going to be disappointed. That's okay, but it's to pick yourself up, brush yourself off and go, there's a reason I didn't get that. And this, I can work on this or I can do this or, or that role just didn't suit me or, or whatever it is to kind of get yourself out of that mindset. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something I quote on the podcast all the time, it's one of my grand's favorite phrases. And it's just so perfect. This is like, what, what, uh, what's for you won't go by you. I love that phrase. Yes. So. Well, well, it's a good good phrase to end on. But thank you very much, Molly, for your time. I really appreciate it. No problem at all. Thanks so much for having me. 
So that was my conversation with Molly. Thank you again for listening. Thank you again to Molly for coming on the podcast and talking to us. If you would like to find out a bit more about Molly, there's a link to her Instagram where she's done some covers of some songs. Uh, There's also a link to her appearance on Glee Cat, the podcast we talked about in this week's episode. And I actually had the chance to interview Connor Burke, who runs that podcast a few weeks ago. We had a great conversation. That'll be out soon as well. But yeah, go and support that podcast too if you can. Um, And as always, if you want to keep supporting our podcast, you can do things like sharing us on social media, leaving us a five-star review on Apple or Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to us. You can support our Patreon page, even if you can support us by spending as little as a pound a month. It all goes such a long way. But thank you for listening. Thank you for your continued support. And wherever you are in the world, I hope you're well. I hope things are starting to improve there. And yeah, I'll be back again next Tuesday with another episode of Just Get A Real Job. Just get a real